At a birthday celebration, a young woman receives an urgent call to babysit two-year-old Briar. After picking up Briar, she heads to a nearby store where she is approached by the store's security guard. The interaction is caught on video, and while she wants to leave the tragic incident behind, others want the video made public. The young woman is Amira. The book is such a fun age, and you're listening to Lit Society. Let's get Let's lit! Get lit. And this is Kari. And you're listening to Lit Society, a podcast about books and some drama. Yes. Yes. So, Kari. Hey, girl. Do anything interesting this week? What's going on? You know, I've just, uh, nope, not really. (laughs) I've been trying to make time for friends. Okay. And maybe that has to do with our theme of the week from last week. I'm going to say that it does. I mean, really? (laughs) So, if people invite me to something, I try to go and I'm trying to have things at my house, like, regularly um you know hospitality and stuff it's exhausting and a little expensive it is it's part (laughs) of adulting isn't it it's part of adulting Mm -hmm. what you been up to i've been in the process of falling into a hole oh um Uh huh. That's been difficult to get out. So is this a financial hole have we been spending a lot of money (laughs) i have not been spending any money what type of hole is this what are you talking about like on tuesday i took a mental health day well scratch that Tuesday, I took a sick day uh-huh. and I addressed my mental health. Okay. Yes. Love it. So, um, yeah. So what does that mean? Anything you want to share? Uh, I've been looking for um, a therapist to okay. talk to. So Yeah, you know. someone here. Yeah, someone locally. Yeah. But that's a whole doggone process. Well, anytime you're looking for a doctor, you know, it's not as fun. Um, so you got to think about your insurance and I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I find, uh, like my primary care now, I love her. And so, uh, she is not in my network, I guess, but I'm going to keep going to her. And you know what? You willing to pay the price? I guess. Yeah, you are. It's not a guess. You're doing it. (laughs) Because whenever you like somebody, they ain't in your network. So that Why makes me say, who's in my network? I don't want to meet those doctors. They sound terrible. Because <laughs> all the good ones are out of my network. And people tell me I have good insurance, but yeah. how is good and not none of the good people in the network? You have to search the list. Also, what is the network? <laughs> you know, there's a lot of questions about adulting uh, that I was I was trying to pick from your brain, but I don't know if you have the answers either. I probably don't, but I do <laughs> but know you about taught me about a network. I yeah. do know about insurance. I tell you that I did have some yeah. experience working, and so that does bring us to our theme of the week. Each week, we choose a theme based on the book that we're reading. Shall we do this week. The theme is adulting. Whoa. Because adulting is hard. It's so difficult. It is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Do you hear me? So wait, what else did you do for your, yourself? That's it? Did you take a nap? No, I had things to do. I couldn't <laughs> take a nap. This don't sound like a self-care day. Self-care is like a spa day. It it's was like not. a day where you sit in quiet and maybe study. Or- That's different. I didn't take one of them days. Sound like you had a day to run errands. Okay, go ahead. I was in the house in a hole. Okay, Mm -hmm. girl. Yep. That's real. Because adulthood is really hard. It is. Right? And it doesn't matter what end of the spectrum that you're on. Yeah. It hits you. Whether you got a foot in the cradle or a foot in the grave. (laughs) 
there are trials and tribulations. Say that again, sis. It is. It's mm-hmm. crazy. It is. On social media, there are like so many memes about <laughs> adulting. And I, I was trying to think of one. And the one that came up was adulting is putting back a pack of chicken for eleven fifty eight because you see one for eleven seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I know I, that's funny because I know I've done that before. I remember being really poor and discovering chicken drumsticks. Like when I first <laughs> moved out by myself, you uh-huh. can get like 20 drumsticks for three dollars. I'm exaggerating, Ooh. but drumsticks are cheap. Drumsticks are now cheap. they might be full of hormones because I remember I'm going to just say a Jewel Osco. I don't know what you putting in your chickens but i don't trust it the drumstick is good big as your thigh as my own human leg thigh Mm -hmm. but you know struggle bus it's hard to have healthy organic farm to table food when you got you know when you got farm to ikea table money (laughs) (laughs) it's rough then my other favorite one is of all the hoods i've lived in Adulthood is the worst. Ooh. I hate it here. But I just remember being excited to be an adult. I couldn't wait. It meant freedom or perceived freedom anyway. Right. And even though I had no idea what I wanted to do in life, I just wanted to be free, free. of parental rules and guidelines. You know what I mean? Yeah. How about you, Kari? Did you look forward to Oh, adulthood? of course. Yeah, I stayed at home till I was 22. And, you know, left, left the state, not because I didn't like it at home, but because I really did feel like my mother was going to make me a useless individual. (laughs) I remember coming home. Shout out to mom. (laughs) I remember coming home and my clothes was neatly folded on my bed. And I said, oh, this can't last. (laughs) I had enough self-awareness to know (laughs) I was on the path to bumdom. (laughs) You could have appreciated that way too yeah, much. Yeah. Like just lounging in adulthood. Yeah. Home. I said, I don't even know how pots and pans. I've heard of pots and pans, <laughs> but the function that they have in a kit, a kitchen, I don't know. I don't know these words. These are just words. Maybe I should move out. <laughs> you know what? That's something we have in common. I, I don't know if you recall, but I moved out when I was 18 as well. Yeah, I do. I lived in Georgia for mm-hmm. a few years. Atlanta. I sure did. It was a good time. Mm-hmm. I was living my adultness. So uh, we're saying adulting is difficult, but then we're talking about how awesome it was and how we looked forward to <laughs> There's some awesome parts. There are some awesome parts. The parts that make you feel like a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that keep you a like kid with your own place. And that fun age. <laughs> yeah, the fu- in such a fun age. <laughs> such a fun age. <laughs> when you thought about um, adult life, did you or just yourself, did you have it all planned out? Did you feel like you had a, these um, expectations and rules that you needed to meet? I had life? goals, definitely. Um, I nev- I've never had any pressure to be anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say that's my problem. <laughs> it's not. I've always felt accepted as nothing, as the nobody I is. so i had goals though i wanted to do some things um that were in line with my faith and my abilities at the time i really felt like because i'm not a person that has ever felt like i needed to settle down and have children yeah i've never even felt like i needed to be married yeah so i thought if i'm not a stationary person then i have to be the person that goes out and like volunteers or um or, or is more generous with my resources because I'm not going to have the responsibility that a lot of people have. 
So no, I came from a, a similar um, background in that sense that I wasn't there was an expectation put on me that yeah. I needed to go off and get married and have children. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do know my mom encouraged me to um, be what I wanted to be. Do oh, let's see. That's beautiful. Do. And so um, that was always in the back of my head. But there was a time when I identified what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And then I was kind of shut down by my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And I instead of listening to what my mom said, go and do that. You have it. You mm-hmm. can do that. I listened to my grandmother said, that's not for girls. And, you know, that put me <laughs> yeah. off on another path and that left me um, feeling clueless about what I, what she I wanted to She had a role already cast. She already casted you in a role that she thought you'd play in. Yeah, yeah. But what I did is I looked up an article that was called When You're Overwhelmed with Being an Adult. Sure. And it was from um, psychcentral.com. And it talked about... Um, you know, things that come into your life that make your life feel like you're overwhelmed. Yeah. And that is like putting high expectations and rigid rules and responsibilities on yourself. Things that like if you hadn't made, if you don't meet this by a certain age, then you'll yeah. fall into those things have a huge impact on you. Cause if you don't meet them, then what you'll feel like a failure. Right? I do remember feeling like that in my early twenties. Like, am I where I'm supposed to be always thinking Am I on the right timeline? Yeah. I don't even know where that timeline came from. And and you already said your parents didn't put that on you. So it, it yeah, maybe it was some was. outside influence that was mm-hmm. affecting. And that does happen where we have an outside influence that makes us feel like we need to meet these uh, markers. Yeah, that we're behind points. in yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And then also comparing yourself to others can make you. That's feel what that I way think too. my thing is. Yeah. So they gave like seven tip seven or eight but i'm just mm-hmm. gonna uh, mention a couple of them okay and then one of one of those tips was keep a dragon journal and they can they identify uh dragons as a list of tasks or projects that feel scary boring boring tedious or difficult mm-hmm. so they say make this list and then tackle one a day i've heard that do something every day that scares you yeah i, I that's like a Lululemon ad. <laughs> I actually had that on my um, board. Okay. My whiteboard at work. It also mentioned creating routines because this minimizes decision making. Without a routine, you tend to expend a lot of mental energy deciding Girl, yes. moment by moment. And reading that was kind of a revelation to me because like, I think I've said this before, I'm not a very scheduled person. It's mm-hmm. hard for me to get on track. But I see that when a routine is in place, I could do so much better. Sure. I can, excel, so. I can think of a time when I was super fit mm-hmm. and getting up and running was just part of my routine. Like yeah. if it was at 430 in the morning mm-hmm. in the dark, like I would never do that now just because I'm scared of everything. <laughs> but um, I think I've been a, as you as get older. older. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrifying. I think it is. <laughs> it's part of being overwhelming. Like we. Adulting, adulting being over, yeah. overwhelming. I think that's just part of it. And then it was a piece about detaching your self-worth from your success. And I think that kind of goes. I love that. That's connected to what we were talking about before having all those goals. And just because you haven't met one doesn't mean you're not successful. And a lot of our goals have to do with other people and you can't control what other people do. Right. So if your goals are connected to, let's say, a job position, right. then you're putting if I mean, that's 
that can be fine. But if your self-worth is tied to that, then yeah. you're allowing someone else to decide your value. Right. And they don't even know all your issues. Don't right. make it, don't make us an outside person able to, don't give them that much control. Don't give anybody that much control over yeah. you or how you feel about yourself. Um, another one was eliminate tolerations. And that says that's usually small things that we put off doing or ignore because we they seem insignificant or important. That's something like picking up the mail. We could hit leave the mail. Personal attack. And then, <laughs> you know, maybe we go pick up the mail, but we let it pile up and pile up and that creates clutter. And then over time, that could be a a big problem. Because when you see that, you're like, oh, I got to tackle that. Mm -hmm. I got to tackle that. And then my the other one that I saw that I'm going to mention, the last one is refocus. You're frustrated. You're anxious. You're sad. Pause. Take a deep breath and identify what you're feeling. And when you do this, you bring the problem solving centers of your brain back online and you become able to navigate the situation more effectively. Okay. And you ask yourself, what's your priority right now? And what am I trying to accomplish? So are those all the steps? <clears throat> no, oh, no, okay, I just kind of picked okay. a few of them, but that's all I'm going to mention. So how does that help me if I've, for example, graduated from college and can't find a job in my field or I can't support myself? How does this advice help me? Because that's a lot of people face that now and they feel like failures. Some yeah. people have to move back in with their parents. Yeah. Like a failure to launch is really common right now. Well, I think that most important tip then would be the not tying your self-worth to your success. Right. And then making that list that trying a journal. Yeah. They did actually have a, a tip in there that said don't underestimate the power of help. And that included maybe using a life coach. And if your issue is financial, maybe getting a financial planner or a therapist. So you can use other resources, talk to people in your family that Mm -hmm. your loved ones that may have tips for you. Mm -hmm. Use them as resources because just because you have to move back home doesn't necessarily equate to failure. Right. And it should not um, um, diminish your self-worth. That's a good point. I feel too like adulting is all about um, humbling yourself. It is. Yeah. So maybe you got to, you know, take that job at Starbucks like everybody else. Stop thinking you all. Right. You know, right. Because you can't you're you're not always going to find the job and the feel because you hit up that wall where they said, well, you don't have any experience or you got too much education or too much experience. Exactly. Exactly. So sometimes you have to accept and decide for yourself that you got to start small. Yeah. You got to be real. Yeah. And that's hard because looking for a job is a full-time job. It is. And you feel like you don't want your skills to be outdated because then you'll never get a job in your field. But you know, yeah, that's not necessarily so. And you might have to lower your, adjust your expectations. Adjust, not lower because we don't want to lower our expectations. Okay. Yeah. Be right. Lower expectations. (laughs) No, I don't. Anyway, so that's adulting, folks. This article, as I mentioned, is talking about over um, overwhelming when you're overwhelmed with being an adult, and it's from PsychCentral.com. Cool. Let's take a break. All righty.
introduce us to our Arthur. Arthur, I love that show. Author. Show can. Kylie Reed. Mm-hmm. And give us some context about the book if you have it. Kylie Reed was born in 1984 in L.A., raised in Tucson, Arizona. She currently lives with her husband in Philly. Such a fun age is her first novel. Now, Kylie Reed is a recent graduate of the Iowa Writers Workshop. And that is a two-year residency program, which culminates in the submission of a creative thesis, which can be a novel, it can be a collection of stories or a book of poetry, and the awarding of a Master of Fine Arts degree. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, she there she also was the recipient of the Truman Capote Fellowship. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. He was known to be a great writer. Right? <laughs> he was. Okay. The Breakfast at Tiffany's. Um, Kylie Reed was at Shakespeare and Company in Philadelphia uh, when she saw her debut novel, Such a Fun Age. You're thinking Paris, right? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. I guess it's also a bookstore in Philly. Okay. Um, but she saw her book on the shelf and, you know, that was cool. But then she saw it on like the reserved section like uh-huh. someone had called ahead to make sure it was oh, there cool. Go- all the gooses all the bumps yeah um and just backing up a little she wrote this book while you know being a barista which you've taught us is a lawyer no <laughs> in arkansas no. <laughs> just kidding no. i know she was making the lattes and stuff <laughs> So you you see, she wanted to be a novelist. She had to take a job making lattes to actually coffee shops she worked in, I think, while she was writing this book. Okay. Um, so, you know, a little adjustment didn't change her path. I love that. I also read that she was a nanny. Oh, really? Yeah, OK, maybe that's that she was there's some inspiration for, for our protagonist and mm-hmm. from her. OK. Yeah. She said she took the her. um She took this story from her experience as a nanny. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, Kari. Yeah. Why don't you give us a brief synopsis without spoilers before our deep dive? Sure. Such a fun age is a story contrasting who we are as individuals against the role we've been cast to play by society. It follows Amira, a black 25 year old girl who feels she's failing at adult life and her white 30 something boss, Alix, who teeters around her own looming failures. As the two make efforts to dissolve their differences, a shocking realization shows the futility of doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. Or the New York Times also um, covered this book and their title I thought was perfect. When it comes to race, how progressive are the progressives? Mm. Yeah. So, Alexis, what were your first thoughts of such a fun age? Hmm. I... Didn't have any. Okay. <laughs> Had you heard about this book at all? No, only when you introduced it to me. Okay. And so I'm, I'm, I've flown maybe a couple of times. I don't even remember seeing it. But the thing is, I, it wasn't out yet. That's why. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, it just, just came released. out like the end of December. Yeah. December 31st, it was released. Okay. So yeah, not much thoughts, but I book. did read it. Um, The intro somewhere, I think I was on Goodreads mm-hmm. and I read A Child Gets Kidnapped. And I was like, oh, this is a spy. Interesting. Yeah. And then I was kind of excited by the title. I thought it was um, going to be fun and exciting. <laughs> right. And so then, sure, yeah, I thought that first. And then I thought I saw the clip about the child being kidnapped. And I was like, OK, I don't know. <laughs> so you went into this book with confusion. Yeah, much confusion. It was confusion. What were your first thoughts? Um. Did I have any? I didn't really have any. I just knew it was very popular and that there was a black girl who wrote it. So I was like, okay, I'll read it. 
And I did. Hey. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, good. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> that's okay. okay. It works out. It works out. <laughs> Let's get started in our deep dive, which will be full of spoilers. Kari, are you yes. ready? Yes. Yes, I'm very much ready. You have the floor. Okay. A Deep Dive into Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed. Part one. Babysitting while black. so Amira is out with her friends out but like in I think they're at Shawnee's house Um, her friend Shawnee is celebrating her 26th year and celebrating with her is Shawnee's roommate Josefa and uh, Amira's best friend Zara so they're you know the girls together drinking chatting hanging out having a good time and I think it's other people there too right? some guys walk in and they're like hey and everyone's like hey and they like, hey, it's going to be great. <laughs> At that moment, Amira gets a phone call. It's her boss. Now, Amira's boss is a woman with one child named Briar. And Briar is Amira's favorite little human. She babysits for, for the mom. Briar's mom calls and says her husband's broken a window and she doesn't want the child to see when the police arrive. So Amir is like, okay, but I'm not quite dressed as a babysitter. And two, I've been drinking. I've been drinking. And the mom is like, yeah, yeah, I don't care. Just hurry up, okay? And I'll pay for your Uber here and back. And, you know, we'll even increase your fee for, you know, yeah, just come. you double. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, Zara agrees to leave with Amira. So they leave. <clears throat> they go get Briar and take her to the grocery store, which is about three blocks away. To look at the nuts. Briar is two growing on three and she's just really into looking at nuts right now. So they just take her to distract her. Briar is such an inquisitive, fun child. Yeah. It's really like no problem. They're dancing in the aisles to Whitney Houston. Suddenly, a woman su- suspects Amira of criminal activity. So there are other people in wow. the grocery store. There's a guy with a Penn State sweatshirt on. And there's this woman who passed her while Zara, Amira, and baby Briar were like dancing in the aisles. Right. Well, mostly Zara and Amira because Briar is like, you dancing and ain't no music. <laughs> Briar is hilarious. She's so cute. The woman approaches, <laughs> the woman approaches Amira with a security guard. Excuse me, ma'am. Footsteps followed, and when Amira turned around, a gold security badge blinked and glittered in her face. On top, it read public safety, and the bottom curve read Philadelphia. Briar pointed up at the face. That, she said, is not the mailman. Amira swallowed and heard herself say, oh, hi. The man stood in front of her and placed his thumbs in his belt loops, but he did not say hello back. Amir touched her hair and said, are you guys closing or something? She knew the store would stay open for another 45 minutes. It stayed open, clean and stocked until midnight on weekends. But she wanted him to hear the way she could talk. From behind the security guard's dark sideburns, at the other end of the aisle, Amira saw another face. The gray-haired, athletic-looking woman who had appeared to be touched by Briar's dancing folded her arms over her chest. She'd set her grocery basket down by her feet. Ma'am, the guard said. Amira looked up at his large mouth and small eyes. He looked like the type of person to have a big family, the kind that spends holidays together for the entire day from start to finish, and not the type of person to use ma'am in passing. 
It's very late for someone this small, he said. Is this your child? <laughs> no, Amira laughed. I'm her babysitter. All right, well, he said. With all due respect, you don't look like you've been babysitting tonight. Amira found herself arranging her mouth as if she'd ingested something too hot. She caught a morphed reflection in a freezer door and she saw herself in her entirety. Her face, full brown lips, a tiny nose, and a high forehead covered with black bangs barely showed up in the reflection. Her black skirt, her slinky v-neck top, and her liquid eyeliner refused to take shape in the panels of thick glass. All she could see was something very dark and skinny and the top of a small blonde stick of hair that belonged to Briar Chamberlain. Kay, she excelled. I'm her babysitter and her mom called me because, hi, I'm so sorry, I just, hi. From the end of the aisle, the woman came forward and her very used tennis shoes squeaked against the tile floor. She put a hand to her chest. I'm a mom and I heard the little girl say that she's not with her mom and since it's so late, I got a little nervous. Amira looked at the woman and half laughed. The sentiments felt childish, but all she could think was, you really just told on me right now. And the security guard begins asking Amira demeaning questions, asking things like, you know, how do you know this child? Then they start talking to the child instead of Amira. Hi, little girl. Mm. How do you know this woman? What's this woman's name? Oh, I hate that. How old are you? Uh, where is your mom? <laughs> the child again, too. <laughs> so she replies with nonsense, but they will not allow Amira to leave with Briar. Can you imagine? No. So the babysitter is at the supermarket and told she can't leave with the baby. Amira calls Briar's dad, Peter, who runs to the store. Right. Because it's only three blocks away. He lectures the security guard about holding someone unlawfully. Um, and the Penn State, the guy with the Penn State um, pullover was recording the whole thing. Right. Now, we're not going deep into this, but there are a few more details there where, you know, if you're reading the book, I urge you to really consider the situation, which is very realistic. <laughs> it could definitely happen. Unfortunately. Yes. Um, so there are a lot of reasons why they're, why they're keeping Amira and um, have suspected her of criminal activity, quote unquote. Uh, and they boil down to the way she looks versus the way Briar looks. The man who was recording with his cell phone um, follows Amira when she leaves out. So Amira holds out her hand and she's like, you know, I don't really want to put that on the news or anything. Can you please delete the video? And he's like, OK, I'll email it to you. And look, I've deleted it. His name is Kelly, Kelly Copeland. He urges her to take that video to the media. But again, that's not what she's interested in. She just wants the whole situation to she's kind of playing it off like it wasn't a big deal. I just don't want to even talk about it or relive it again. Yeah, I don't want to deal with that. She gets back to her apartment and cries. Mm -hmm. Now, let's get into Briar's mom. <laughs> she was a blogger majoring in marketing and finance um, from Allentown, Pennsylvania. Peter, her husband, was a journalist major turned newscaster raised in upstate New York. Uh, he was eight years older than her. He is eight years older than her and believed in her blog. They He's were married. Quite supportive. Yeah, very supportive. Uh, he wanted her to take it seriously. Talk about it like it's a real business and yeah. it will be. Uh, they were married when she was 28. The party favorite shoes and white wine they served were secured by a leak's 
uh, because she writes brands leaving reviews or, you know, what influencers do. So they'll write a brand and say, you know, I'll promote your product if you send me a sample. Time goes by. She hosts a cover letter workshop where one of the attendees is an Instagram influencer with over 30,000 followers. The influencer publishes the letter Alix helped her write along with a stack of acceptance letters from universities. Alix becomes a brand empowering women to speak up. So she loves writing. She loves writing letters specifically. And she takes that skill, that natural or that skill that she's sharpened over the years and becomes let her speak, which is like her brand and also hashtag. You get it? Let her letter. Uh, 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 Okay. However, she was she herself was often shocked at the amount of credit and responsibility companies gave her. She was asked to speak with small business owners at conferences and lectures. So there's a contradiction here. Um, We find later that Briar is a child that is always talking and Elise hates this. That was so sad to me. Yeah. That was hard to listen to. Yeah. So Alix is campaigning for women's voices publicly while simultaneously being (laughs) shocked and appalled by how much her own daughter speaks. Anyway, um, there is an event that forever changes the trajectory of Let Her Speak. Hashtag Let Her Speak. She is speaking at a lecture because that's what you do. You lecture at lectures. Sorry for the redundancy. <laughs> and Briar is in the front row with one of Alix's interns. Briar is getting fussy. She's hungry. And so Alix announces to the audience, I can do both. <laughs> she goes down, gets her daughter, puts a T-shirt over her face, breastfeeds her, and continues with the interviewer lecture. Mm-hmm. Go moms. Yeah. The women are like wooing and, yeah, and they're, they're like, like, you go girl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she wins praise for nursing her daughter while on stage. And this bold move leads to a book deal and an opportunity to work with Hillary Clinton's campaign. Up, up, up. Shit, no place but up. Now, when she got pregnant, her husband was like, should we move to your hometown, Philly, from New York? Because, you know, we want our kids to not grow up next to fake Gucci purses and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> locked bodegas. We want them to have a yard yeah. and a neighborhood. She's like, no, no, no. Cause her business is doing so well. She sees her goals. They're spread out in, on the table in front of her and she, they're in her reach. She was, what she say? I have like seven more years here. Yeah. You yeah. Know? She's like, I got time. I ain't ready to go and do that. Uh, housewife stuff. But then she gets pregnant again. And then he don't even ask. He's like, I'm calling a broker. (laughs) Enough of this. You know, what is she supposed to say? So their growing family moves from New York to Philadelphia. Behind her, Alix leaves her mother, which was also or her mother-in-law, which was also her babysitter, um, her friends and her interns. As she's interviewing for babysitters, she finds a girl that is checking the right boxes. And she's like, I'll give her a chance. She shows up and it's Amira. (laughs) Elise did not expect her to be black, but you know, Elise is progressive and she's like, um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, come on in. Awkward. <laughs> a little awkward, but you know, she hires Amira for this babysitting gig with little Briar. Elise is very happy that Amira has no idea what hashtag let her speak is. In fact, when she comes over in order to not mess up her clothes, 
um, Amira, I think, asks for a shirt, yeah, right? She does. And so Alix gives her a shirt that says hashtag let her speak on it. Right. And then every day when Amira comes to a watch Briar, she just puts on a let her speak shirt. She has no idea what that is. Right. In fact, she asked Amira, oh, you're writing a book? Is it like a history book? And <laughs> She's like, no, letters. <laughs> She's like, is it and a Alix is like, yeah, kind of. Okay. So Amira <laughs> thinks Elise is like writing a history book. Right. And she pictures her like going to the library, digging through the archives. <laughs> okay. Now, Peter. Peter had dreams of being a huge newscaster in New York City. It didn't quite work out. So when they returned to Philadelphia, there's a little more opportunity for him. Mm-hmm. And he is now on a daily show on WNFT. Um, he runs a segment. <laughs> Let's talk about why there was such an emergency for Briar to be watched the night that (laughs) Amira was with her friend. Let's chat about it. So on this news segment for WNFT, (laughs) they are at the high school in the area, the local high school, uh, recording students asking each other to the big homecoming dance. So students are like, getting pulled into the center of the basketball court in front of the whole class or, you know, it's, it's like a yeah. tradition. The last student featured is a black boy asking a white girl to the dance. At the end of the segment, his co-host Lainey, Peter's co-host Lainey is like, oh, that's amazing. You know, no one ever asked me to the dance like that. And Peter's like, ho, ho, ho. Let's just hope the last girl asks her father first. The backlash was immediate. <laughs> and guess what? Some kids, <laughs> some kids egged their house and those eggs broke the window. Yeah. They called the police and they wanted Briar out so as to not see the drama. Okay. Um, so after this incident, at first it, Alix is thinking if it didn't happen in New York, did it even happen? (laughs) Who cares? (laughs) No one's going to know about this, but it becomes that clip from the segment becomes viral. And now everyone outside of the new, everyone online is calling Peter a racist. Why does the last, why did he even say that? Why does the last girl have to ask her dad and the other ones don't right now you can think what you want about Peter at this point. We do. We do. <laughs> no we doubt you do. will form your Absolutely, own conclusion. But again, Alix tells him it's not a big deal. And the station gets behind him as if this was like a hazing period. Yeah. You'll be they fine. Was like, yeah, you got your first hazing. Go mm-hmm. for it. But after the house gets egged, Alix starts to think, do I even know my babysitter? Does she know what Peter said? I have to get to know Amira Tucker. Yeah. Amira. Amira was the first to graduate. A little background on Amira. She was the first to graduate from college in her family. She went to Temple University, majored in English. Uh, She went to transcription school, hated it, found her way to babysitting. She keeps this from her parents who still think she's in transcription school. Briar, as we said before, is her favorite little person. Have you ever babysat? I don't think so. Okay, I have. And it is really attached, uh, easy to get attached to people's kids. Oh, I believe that. I do believe <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, and then you like leave the house and it's like leaving your kids. And you're like, wait, what? I remember leaving after I watched um, maybe four kids for about four days mm-hmm. and then their parents came home. I was like, what is this? Why? First of all, how are y'all just walking in our house? <laughs> and now I'm supposed to take money Did and you leave? say our house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah we you, have made this our home. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we have 
time. Go back away. Go away. No one missed you. <laughs> so that's kind of how Amira feels about Briar. She just loves this little girl. She doesn't know much about her parents. And that's fine with Amira. She doesn't she feel like she so needs fine to. with that. And it's so unique, her relationship with Briar, because children in general annoy Amira. She doesn't find them interesting. They're too shy, too eager to please. Briar is more complex. She asks questions. She is interesting. However, Amira is 25. And in a few months, she will be taken off of her parents' insurance. (laughs) So she got some. So she needs a real job. Mm -hmm. She needs like to become a real adult with a real job and real insurance. This is what's on Amira's mind. But she's also torn because she doesn't want to ever leave Briar. Right. That's sweet. So Briar has a birthday party. Alix hates everyone there. It's full of Peter's co-workers who are like patting him on the back and random moms that Alix has met and kind of befriended in Philadelphia. And she is unimpressed. Whatever. The only one she doesn't hate there in her mind is Amira. So she's forming this relationship with Amira mentally before she's even talked to the girl, like had a real conversation with her. She just feels like when Amira leaves, she's like, oh, Amira, don't leave me. (laughs) Also, the gifts here are like pretty uh, sexist. They're like little baby makeup stuff. And Amira just gets Briar a goldfish. Part two, white love triangle. (laughs) So Kelly Copeland the guy who recorded the incident. I remember him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Penn State sweatshirt wearing guy. He meets Amira again on a train randomly one evening. So random. Yeah. And he's like, so. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey, girl. Hey. Uh, <laughs> what you doing tonight? Can I get you a drink? And she like, I <laughs> <laughs> it's like the first thought you have when the white boy gives you his game and you like I, I mean <laughs> um, sure I, okay <laughs> um, so she tells him listen I have plans for tonight but if you want you can meet me and my friends I'm not going to give you my number but you have my email address because you emailed me the video email me and let me know if you're going to meet us at the bar we're going to on the train, he tells a stranger, that's my girlfriend. <laughs> and Amira's like, um, what? And he's like, yeah, she always does this. <laughs> and the stranger's like, oh, that's so cute. That's cute. <laughs> and he's like, bye, hon. See you at home. <laughs> so, you know, that's his little game. That's like his way of endearing himself. To there her. we go. Mm-hmm. Um, So to her surprise, he shows up. He showed up, girl. He showed up. <laughs> At the bar where she is with her friends. And it's in this moment where she's like, well, he probably was never going to come. He never emailed me. And then her friend Shawnee, who we met at the beginning, is like gorgeous. So she's like, he probably would have just liked Shawnee anyway. So who cares? So um, he does come, though. And he comes with five black friends. (laughs) Five. Fine. Black (laughs) friends. It is noticeable, though, that they are all black. And he's the only like white person with them so um shawnee's roommate josepha asked i mean he's real cute or whatever but does someone want to tell me why all his friends are black (laughs) and so amira zar and shawnee roll their heads toward their friend um amira put a fist under her chin I don't know, Safa. Why are yours? <laughs> <laughs> this is when I realized, oh, Josefa ain't like black. 
but she's Latina. So it feels like, you know, you're still a minority. <laughs> so one interesting thing that I um, thought as I was reading is that she doesn't necessarily reveal races immediately. Mm-hmm. She allows the people to draw their own conclusions. Yeah. And then it's revealed to you. And then are you surprised by what you yeah. decided? Because I didn't know Kelly was white yeah, until Josefa brought it up. Yeah, I had no idea he was <laughs> Maybe white. Maybe it was mentioned, but I didn't notice. No, they never mentioned it. <laughs> yeah, That's so. one thing I noticed about it. <laughs> so they go back to his place. This is uh, Amira and Kelly. He's intact, so he has like some coins and an adult place with adult things in it. Adult life. He's, life. <laughs> he's also 32 years old, six years older than her. That doesn't bother her. He feels a little weird about it. Yeah, they pursue a relationship. Yeah, he seemed to be worded out by that. Yeah. Um, She also sees from the things in his apartment that he's from Allentown. She can't remember who she knows from Allentown. (laughs) Now, this is written in third person. So the author kind of gives us a wink here and lets us know right out the gate. What Amira does not know is that Kelly ruined Alex Murphy's senior year in the spring of 2000. Before she became a leaks Chamberlain. Whoa. Oh. I was like, <gasps> clutch them pearls. Yes. So <laughs> yes. to be clear, this new love interest ruined her boss's senior year. How? We don't know. We don't know yet. We do not know. Moving on. So Alix is now obsessed with Amira. She must know what Amira is thinking. Why did Amira act that way? What can I do to get in good with Amira? What does Amira say, want? This is so weird to me. <laughs> Next level weird. <laughs> Alix makes awkward attempts to get closer to Amira. She gives, she shares wine with her. I like it too. From the table, Alix held her glass and looked at the color. In her other arm, Catherine was receiving a bottle, which Alix administered with one hand. Are you a wine person or no? I mean, I like it, Amira said. She set her glass at the other end of the table, then took the books from underneath her arm and set those down too. But I'm used to drinking like box wine, so yeah, I'm no connoisseur. There were moments like this that Alix tried to breeze over, but that got stuck somewhere between her heart and ears. She knew Amira had gone to college. She knew Amira had majored in English. But sometimes, after seeing her pause songs with titles like Y'all Already Know, and then hearing her use words like connoisseur, Alix was filled with feelings that went from confused and highly impressed to low and guilty in response to the first reaction. There was no reason for Amira to be unfamiliar with this word. And there was no reason for Elix to be impressed. Elix completely knew these things, but only when she reminded herself to stop thinking them in the first place. Um, as they're spending time together, this is now Amira and Kelly, the love interest, the Penn State, the white boy. <laughs> Kelly shares with Amira how he broke up with his high school girlfriend. Oh, yeah. Whoever she was. Mm -hmm. We know who she was. We know. First of all, she was the richest girl in his school. Mm -hmm. They went on a class trip once. And as she was boarding the plane, she just left her luggage in the middle of the aisle and sat down. And he's like, 
opens the bin to put the luggage in. She goes, don't touch the plane. She's only <laughs> flown first class. She don't know that coach life. Um, anyway, when he broke up with her, this is the line he used. Are you ready, Alexis? <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. I think it would be best if we went our separate ways and that those paths never again connected. <laughs> Whatever. I had to read that a couple of times. Yeah. Like, wait, what? <laughs> we- <laughs> The reader is then plucked from this conversation uh, with Kelly and uh, Amira into a flashback. So Elise has a flashback where she's back in New York with her girls. They're at brunch and, you know, they're shooting the breeze. They're sharing their most embarrassing stories. I have to say one of her friends uh, works in production and she like hires kids to be in commercials. Oh, that was. So her kid goes to school and goes, um, mommy ta- p- takes kids into a private room and tapes them. And if they cry, <laughs> she doesn't ask them to come back. But if they're good, they get to come back over and over again. And she's got to come to her kid's school and explain that, no, I'm not a pedophile. I work in production. <laughs> yeah, she really had to do that, too. That was such a hilarious that was story. Funny. There a lot of laugh out loud moments for me with this book. I agree. Okay, cool. I do. I do. So it's time for Alix to share her most embarrassing story. And here it is. Uh oh. So in high school, she dated a guy that was below her a year and also below her in class. And I don't mean junior, senior. Uh-oh. I mean, she was rich. He was not. So um, her thing has always been writing letters. She used to write him letters all the time. And these letters, she would like pour out her heart. Things, people would be too embarrassed to say. Alex, as she went by at the time, uh, would say those things in her letters to Kelly. One letter, however, invited Kelly to her home when her parents wouldn't be out of town. It included the code for her gate and a map to her room. Ooh, I'm telling you. That was a lot. Alex. I mean, it was detailed. (laughs) It was. And she also like drew where their pool was. (laughs) And the the jacuzzi. Yeah. So at home would be the nanny, her little sister, and her parents gone. Kelly does come over. However, (laughs) so does Robbie and what sounds like 50 friends. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Didn't seem like a lot. I'm exaggerating, but a yeah. lot of kids come over headed by Robbie, who was like the star athlete of the school. He was very popular, but did not talk to um, Alex or Alix as we know her now. They weren't friends. And how, I mean, how did he even know to come? Alex assumes that Kelly invited Robbie over. Kelly doesn't really say anything to make her think otherwise. He's like, who cares? Let them in. <laughs> she don't need to let them in because they know the code right. for the gate. Right. They let themselves in. They're jumping in the pool, hanging out, climbing on neighbors' um, <laughs> property. I mean, this. I mean, they are like at manic level. They got to go. <laughs> they're high school kids. Yeah. And they feel like they're at a country club <laughs> with no supervision. Okay. Um, it should be noted that Robbie, the star athlete, is black. So a black boy comes in with 50 billion students 
and they're like hanging out at her place. So what would you have done in that situation, Alexis? Called the police. <laughs> okay. So this is interesting because I'm not disagreeing with you. However, in that situation, I'm not his friend. Okay, I got you. Um, but there is a nanny there. In this situation, who's the authority, in your opinion? Well, I would think it would be the nanny. I would think that this adult, the only adult in the home, is the one left in charge. The nanny goes to Alexis's room. <laughs> Sorry, I keep saying your name. You do. Stop it. Alexis's room <laughs> and says, should I call the police? Alex decides, yes, let's call the police. The police come. The kids scatter. They catch Robbie. They find cocaine in his pocket. He loses his scholarship. And the conversation is that his life is now ruined. Alex becomes infamous. Kelly is like, why did you call the police? Why did you ruin Robbie's life? Between you and me, I would have, if I was the authority in that situation, also called the police. I'm going to freely admit that and recorded everybody because my fear is always that you'll call the police and then things will go way wrong. Yep. Yeah, she called the police. I would have called the police too. There has to be some compassion here for the fact that she didn't invite these kids over. She is assuming in the moment that this love letter she wrote to Kelly with all her, with the gate for the code for her gate and all of that, he shared with the star athlete with Robbie. She's furious. She still wants to be with Kelly, but he breaks up with her. <laughs> and there's like the stigma that she's deeply uncool now. People feel like you got all of this. You got a pool. You got a jacuzzi. And, and you, you ain't, ain't going to share. <laughs> you ain't sharing all your good. Okay, Massa. <laughs> Kids start passing in her hall like, you know, how's the plantation, Massa? They really went in on her after she called they the They did. Police. And after she becomes the pariah of her school. Mm-hmm. Back to the future. <laughs> Amira is looking forward to a performance at Briar's Ballet School. She's brought Briar um, some little cat ears to wear. And um, they've been preparing a routine for weeks. But as Amira is on her way to get Briar, she gets a call from Alix. The goldfish you bought my daughter is dead. Oh my goodness. Can you please replace it? And Amira is like, okay, but I'm going to miss the ballet performance. And she goes, that's okay. You know, she's going to dress up for Halloween next week. It's fine if she misses this. And she won't remember anyway. So this bothers Amira for a few reasons. First of all, she's annoyed that Elise refuses to be honest about this small thing about a dead goldfish and goldfish die. Like if you look at them wrong, so this is going <laughs> to happen again. What am I supposed to keep buying goldfish? Right. It just doesn't make sense. But be honest with your daughter. She's also um, sees this as a lack of desire to communicate from the mom to the daughter. Um, and she's noticing that Catherine, which is the baby who favors Alix, uh, she looks like the mom more. She's quiet. She's cute to hold. She's becoming the favorite and Briar is being ignored more and more. And Briar notices it too. And Briar is noticing it too. This is also where we see um, a bad habit being formed by Alix. When she enters like the vestibule of her home, I guess Amira's phone is being charged in that space. So there's a closed front door and a closed door to the rest of the home. So she's, it's like a little private moment before you enter the home. And she is scrolling through 
Amira's text messages, Alix's, reading them to get to know more about Amira. Instead of talking to her, she's violating her privacy. Weird. <laughs> and the thing is, the text messages pop up in full without you entering the code for the cell phone. So it's easy to do and no one's the wiser. Now, back to the friends. So Shawnee, who's the really beautiful one who had the birthday in the beginning, she gets a promotion, an adult job at Sony. Amira is adulting dollars. Yeah, it should be noted that Shawnee also comes from like upper middle class or upper class family. So they have like a a chain of laundromats in the South. Yep. So she's beautiful. She's got money. She's got security. And Amira's jealous, crazy jealous. So while she's like stewing in her own jelly, um, Amira calls Kelly for a boost. (laughs) And he is kind and thoughtful. How do you feel about Kelly? They're they're not an official relationship at this point. What do you think of him? Yeah, I like him. I did like him, right? The Mm -hmm. way he talked to her. Their relationship wasn't defined by his whiteness or her blackness. Um, But it wasn't ignored either Mm -mm. because, again, he was the one who recorded the interaction at the market and he was telling her, you know, you might need this. When she said, I don't want to send it to media. I need you to delete it. At this point, we feel that's what he's done. And, you know, I'm on his team. Yeah, I'm definitely team him. I think um, they mentioned in the book that they didn't really talk about it, but it was, you know, they both acknowledged their differences, differences. Yeah. So it was interesting. Thanksgiving. (laughs) <laughs> so 1955 <laughs> okay. so Alix is inviting her New York posse to Thanksgiving hey, she's finally gonna see her girls she ain't seen them in, in too house. long <laughs> she hasn't seen them in months she's right. super excited she's doing all this um, kitschy stuff around her house with the decorations even the food which she's having catered and she really wants Amira to be there however Amira's planning to go fly to see her own parents. Well, as she's secretly scrolling, scrolling through Amira's phone in like the vestibule area, she sees that Amira's flight's been canceled. So she enters and she casually goes, you know, Amira, it's really bad outside. I hate to say it, but maybe check your flight. So of course, Amira sees that her flight's canceled. Alix invites her to Alix's home for Thanksgiving and shyly, reluctantly, Amira agrees. She arrives to Alix's home for Thanksgiving with Kelly, who was tall, fine, wearing a red sweater, jeans and a black duster coat. I kind of saw him in my mind. If he's a celebrity. Oh, you know, um, the rights to this book were purchased by Lena Waithe. Yes, I saw that. (laughs) So in the movie or miniseries. What would he be? Who's Kelly? Um, I would say one of those twin boys. What twin boys? <laughs> the house people? <laughs> what twin boys? No. So I was thinking maybe one of the um, twins, the one that plays Thor. He's not a twin. They're brothers. Oh, I thought they were twins. He's like too fine. Oh, the one that used to Overly be married fine. to Miley Cyrus. Yeah, the other one. Sure. Okay, yes. What is his name? I can't think of it right now. Liam Hemsworth. Yes. <laughs> so you see Liam Hemsworth as Kelly. Yeah. And who's Amira? Well, no, I have to think. That's about okay. That. That's Normani. She yeah. into actress thing. She now. would be. We oh. could get her in there. Uh, oh, yeah. Ooh, okay. Ooh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. She can do it. Sure. 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 And who's Alix? Oh, go ahead. Okay. 
<laughs> so for real, for real, some yeah. really, really white woman. <laughs> You okay. know, I'm a fan of Amy Adams. So Amy Adams oh, to she... play her or um, I couldn't come up with a name right off. But I did think I really thought about it when I saw. The Do you know who Sarah days. Paulson is? Yes, but <laughs> so I don't think her. She's maybe not out of that age range, but I have I always casted her in my mind as uh, Sarah Paulson. Really? But that's OK. Yep. Hmm. Or Reese, since Reese loves the book. Yes, that's, that's the one <laughs> I, I came like up Reese. with first. I want it to be someone I don't feel attached to. No, it's got to be Reese because she, <laughs> I think she could do that role. Yeah, right. she could do it. but And she might be out of that age range also. She might be, but I think she could do it. Okay. So we got Liam Hemsworth and Normani standing at the door and Reese Witherspoon opens. That's a leaks. She opens the door to her babysitter. And she is ripped from her semi-successful mid-30s life into her high school years as she recognizes Kelly. <laughs> Instantly, she crumbles. Part three, X lies and videotape. <laughs> so, Elise has a meltdown. All the women, all of her New York posse gather into a closet upstairs and she breaks down the situation. They like, you lie. And she like, no, I wish I was. And then she's like, oh my goodness, Kelly is here with Amira. What world is this? Oh my goodness, how intimate are they? Oh my goodness, we all know how intimate they are. Oh my goodness, I can't take it. Among her New York posse is Black Tamara. Now, Black Tamara is the only black woman in her white friends. There's nothing wrong with that. But Black Tamara <laughs> is problematic. She takes it upon herself to excuse Amira from the rest of the group to help her fold silverware into napkins. <laughs> and while they're chatting, she's like, so sister girl, um, touching her braids. <laughs> You afraid to go natural? That's too much. That's How too long much. is your real hair? I don't like her. You don't like black tan? Well, duh. She the worst. I don't like her. <laughs> she is, uh, what is she doing? She is wearing a, her blackness is like a shawl that she throws on and maybe tosses off. So that because yes. you're constantly picking up and putting it down, it ain't you. <laughs> yeah. And maybe like identify who you are a little more and stop projecting your insecurities about being black in a white world onto me. Don't ask me about my natural hair. That's weird and stupid. That's so <laughs> weird and stupid. Yeah. And, you know, it's not natural. Don't do that. Don't. Oh, you scared to go natural? Oh. Mm, come on. Get out of here. With also, that. don't like uh, aggressively befriend me. <laughs> and it was aggressive. And that's why I took the most offense Let's to it. Let's be people here, okay? I'm she, here with my white boyfriend. We can all be friends. She couldn't be regular with Just her. Just be regular. Just be regular. And then, you know, maybe we'll share subtle looks across the table. Yes, <laughs> but she's not that friend. She can't do but it. But she ain't real enough. She's not. She don't she's know that. She's not real enough. Nope. That's what it is. Nope. So that's Black Tamara. Now, Kelly texts Amira. Yo, your boss is my... Girlfriend from high school, I am ready to go. <laughs> also, someone mentions at the party, Amira, you haven't seen Blackish? It's such an important show. <laughs> this is weird. So, Peter stands up, gives a toast, thanks all the women for supporting his wife, including Amira. Around a chaotic table full of very white people, including Black Tamara, Amira notices Briar is ignored and quiet. Briar has just a moment ago said to no one that her tummy hurt. Yep. Her mom ignored her in favor 
of Catherine, who is the favorite child. Amira lunges across the table to catch Briar sick with a very expensive napkin. Kelly wraps his hands around Amira's waist, catching her. In her obsession with pleasing Amira, Elise has formed a possessive impulse around her. So at seeing the hands of someone who once steadied her hyper spirit after high school games and was the first to touch her intimately, seeing those same hands around Amira, she is driven insane with jealousy of both Kelly and Amira. (laughs) Her thought is, get your hands off of my babysitter. (laughs) That's my babysitter. That's my African-American. So in the bathroom upstairs, Briar Briar confides in Amira that she doesn't like when Catherine is the favorite. (laughs) Don't like when Catherine's the favorite. And so this is a really somber moment where Amira takes Briar's knees into her hands and tells her about family. I don't like when Catherine be the favorite. Amira stopped. She hung the washcloth on the side of the sink and sat back on her heels. What did you say? I don't, I don't like when Catherine B's a little favorite to mama. I don't like that. Briar had stopped crying and she said this with a calm and specific certainty, both that she had explained it correctly and that this was in fact how she felt. Amira pressed her lips together. B, you know what? As she formulated her words, Amira held Briar's knees in both of her hands and thought, this is the littlest your knees will ever be. You can have favorite ice cream or favorite cereal, but guess what? When you have a family, everyone is the same. Do you have a family? Briar put her fingers in her mouth. Yes. Do you have a mama? Yes. And a daddy? Yes. And a sister? Yes. Exactly. That's your family. And in families, everyone is always the same. Briar touched her shoulders. How come? Well, in Amira's family, Justine was so obviously the favorite. But Amira was her brother's favorite, and so it seemed to even out. Her mother favored Alfie when it came to Christmas gifts, and her father favored Amira when it came to birthdays and phone calls. Amira didn't figure this out until high school, but Briar was doing so at the tender age of three. Amira looked at the little person on the toilet and felt as if she were pushing an enormous boat out into the ocean. She slumped as if the situation were completely out of her hands and said, because that's what family means. Family means no favorites. Amira and Kelly leave. There's a line here I thought was really interesting about when they leave. Amira had all those feelings of leaving a movie theater and realizing that it was dark outside and that it had been for some time. So it's like they were in this other world. Yeah. And then they entered to the air and the night and it's like reality is hitting them. Kelly on their way to his place takes Amira to a John Wayne-ish bar and tells her that she can't keep working for a leaks. They have an emotional moment in the bar's vestibule and he implies that he loves her. Back at his place, Amira puts into words the irritations she has about three things. First, her job. Two, his obsession with this market tape. Now, at the Thanksgiving table, he brought up how they met and again brought up the tape that she never wants to bring up again. <laughs> right. So he's, he's um, despite her wishes, still kind of trying to push her to pub- publicize that tape. And lastly, her issues with Alix, she brings up. She also mentions to him, you can't take me to any more old white man bars. 
And that's a pointed statement about black people in white spaces and safety and how people cannot feel safe in the same setting that someone else takes for granted all the time and always feel safe. This is a bar he probably goes to all the time. Yeah, he said, would I take you there if I didn't feel comfortable? But it's not about how it's you not feel. about that. And don't forget, I'm a black woman. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he also wants to talk about love. She doesn't and they don't. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Black Tamara has a real moment <laughs> in her fake life where uh, she breaks down at brunch with the girls what type of man Kelly is. So Elise has been, of course, stalking Kelly on the Internet all these years, going through his social media account. And it seems after he broke up with Elise. Kelly started dating Robbie's sister, maybe, or cousin? Cousin. I think okay. it was a cousin, whatever. And then there was another black girl. And then there was another black girl. And so behind Kelly is a string of black love. <laughs> and Elise <laughs> is like, hey, you guys, I'm not racist, but that's weird, right? <laughs> and so Black Tamara goes, actually, Elise, it's not weird. It's racist. Kelly is one of those white guys that not only goes out of his way to date black women, but only dates black women. People like him act like some sort of martyr, like they're taking one for the team. And look at me, look at how generous I am. I'm dating a oh black woman. Goodness. I'm a good person. Mm. Black Tamara tells Alix, look, you're in Philly. You're stuck in a rut. What you're going to do is go back to working regularly in New York City. You're going to tell your babysitter what you know about her boyfriend. And you're going to try your best to protect her. Black Tamara probably has some age issues where she feels like Tamara is the little quote unquote sister and you got to help the sister. And she keeps here. saying you're the best thing to happen probably ever in her life to her. Insert more <laughs> eye rolls right here. She don't know her. OK, so um, Alix goes to New York City to solidify her career. Yeah, she leaves a briar with Amira. Amira and Briar have like you know, the best time in the world. They do everything Briar wants to do. Briar loves it. Amira loves it. They just loving each other. They just love each other. Mm -hmm. Final part, part four, to freedom. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, Alix wakes up one day and she goes, this won't stand. She finds out where Kelly works. And shows up in front of his job. He rushes her to a cafe so that she does not embarrass him in front of his colleagues. They have it out. I mean, they have it out. Who is the most racist? Who is the most racist? <laughs> and she's like, you gave Robbie the code to my house because you fetishized black people. And you wanted to always be cool with the black people. And you threw me under the bus to do it. And he's like, you got to always put black people in a uniform and make them wear your name and feel like you own them. And so you're racist. And she's like, no, you're racist. And he's like, no, you're racist. You act like what happened to you was worse than what happened to Robbie, even though let's not even go there. If you love Amira so much, then let her wear what she wants. I'm sure I didn't handle things well back in high school. I was 17. I was an idiot. But at least I'm not still requiring a uniform for someone who works for me so I can pretend like I own them. Oh my God. Alix formed fists with both hands on the table. 
You have no idea what you're talking about. She asked. I lent her a shirt. You lend her the same shirt every day? In the business, we call that a uniform. You are so completely out of line. Elise has started her day in Manhattan, ready to tell Kelly, I know who you really are. But now she's sat in Philadelphia, participating in a losing game called Which One of Us is Actually More Racist? Elise cracked her neck to the side and pointed her hands like daggers on top of the table. Amira is part of our family. We've never forced her to do anything she doesn't want to do. I've known her for longer than you have, and I'm ready to do whatever it takes to protect her. This is rich. You're unbelievable. I'm not joking, Kelly. If you don't, Alex, listen to yourself. You are the same person you were in high school. God, I saw you on Thanksgiving and I thought, how did this happen? But of course this happened. Of course you're hiring black people to raise your children and putting your family crest on them. Just like your parents who you were so ashamed of. And of course you sent Amira to a super white grocery store at midnight and expected everything to be okay. (laughs) So now you're blaming me for the police interrogating Amira? That's hysterical. Why is that? Because she wouldn't have gotten in trouble that night if she'd been wearing a uniform. Now would she? And there, um, she says, and I've known her longer than you. And I'm like, you ain't know her that long? I mean, the difference in which the two of them met is so minimum, but she held that out like it was very real. Yeah. Like, I got something over you. We family. <laughs> She's a member of the family. Yeah. You be careful with her. Now, how do you, what are your feelings about Elise at this time? I was trying to root for her, but she when she got to looking at her text messages, I was like, you weird, lady. You really weird. The text messages crossed the line. However, at this table outside of everything else, the context, I understand that kind of uh, feeling responsibility for someone. But Amira doesn't reciprocate those feelings. So why do you feel so attached? Exactly. And is this really a like a... F- um, like a, what's the love? Philia type of love? Or are you like owning her and yeah, you feel like this is my property? Get your hands off of my African-American. It can't be because it can't be a um a love of brother. Yeah. It can't be that because she doesn't know her. Yeah. She's only reading her text message. She doesn't even know how to have a but real conversation But this is a girl that she's her. trusted with her daughter and that she doesn't nothing. want her to be hurt by this guy who is a serial um, she don't know her. Serially dates black women. She doesn't know her. She can't even set herself up to have a conversation with her. She, no. Yeah. So I decided that for me, the issue comes with going to Kelly in the first place. What is your relationship to him? Leave that man alone and go to Amira. But if you don't have that relationship with Amira, then all together, mind your business. Mind your business. Worry about yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So. There's issues. While this is going on, Elise has unknowingly forgotten her baby Catherine at home in a flea snapshot. Shame. Shame. <laughs> you know, she's only a so-so mom. Amira goes out to celebrate with her friends because she's turning 26. While they're at the bar and they're kiki-kiing, a friend screams, oh my goodness, Amira, you're bleeding. And she's like, what, huh? Where? And they're like, well, let's take you to the bathroom, then we'll tell you. <laughs> So this part kind of mirrors how Elise had gathered all her friends into the closet upstairs in her house to give them the tea. 
And now Amira's friends are gathering her into the bathroom to tell her, hey, that video is in these streets at Market Depot. The one your boyfriend keep bringing up that you want him to drop is viral, girl. And people are commenting. Whoa. And they're taking clips of Briar and zooming in. <laughs> yep, that's me. <laughs> you might wonder how I got here. <laughs> it is a full out meme. So she's mortified. She doesn't doubt Kelly, but her friends are not convinced. Amir's BFF Zara grabs Kelly's phone from his hand and the video is still on it, even though he swore that he deleted it. Her friends rush Amira out. Mm. You know, mm. can mm. I ask about this part? Yeah. Because I was thinking, did she find it in his scent mail? Because he deleted it in front of her. But, okay, there's also this thing where Amira doesn't know technology, so she That's wouldn't true. even know where to look. I don't even know if she, like, went through. No, she didn't. Like, he went he to He showed the... her something, and she was like, okay, I guess it's deleted. But she doesn't, she's not tech savvy. She doesn't even have an Instagram. That's true. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. That's unfortunate. Alix offers Amira a nanny position soon after with benefits. This sounds closer to the adult job that Amira needs and is hungry for. Um, Alix also offers to help Amira clean up the viral video fiasco. Mm -hmm. Oh, no comment. Okay, Zara and Amira arrive at Alix's home for a television interview with Lainey. That's Peter's co-host. They're planning to talk about the viral video and take control of the conversation. While using the restroom, Zara overhears Alix ask Black Tamara if she did the right thing. The pieces start coming together. Zara rushes into the bathroom with Amira and is like, hey, you can't work here no more. <laughs> I like Zara. And this is when, you know, the truth becomes clear to both of them. When Amira would visit Alex, uh, well, not visit, but when she was over to babysit, she was sometimes asked to use the computer. One day she used the computer to send an email and did not log out. It is clear that Alix saw the video, the Market Depot video, and emailed it to the news station that her husband works for. Mm -hmm. In the bathroom, Amira and Zara negotiate a new job slash promotion for Amira with the Green Party. Yeah, the Green Political Party, who she's been working for yeah. consistently on like a sporadic basis. Yeah, twice a week. Mm-hmm. Oh, twice a week. Is that right? Yep. The cameras start rolling. Alix, we are so proud of Amira. We hired her as a nanny full time. Um, this is a strong woman who we want watching our girls because this is who we want them to be. Strong, assertive women. <laughs> <laughs> and Amira. Actually, I won't be working full time for the Chamberlains. This video being released has put some things in perspective for me, so I won't be working here. Um, you can catch me at the green party, though. <laughs> Amir tells Alex, I just think it would be best if we went our separate ways and that those paths like never came back together, <laughs> which is a remix of the breakup line. <laughs> Alex will never forget. Amir Ooh, gives her hard. <laughs> <laughs> Amira gives Zara a look and Zara hops on camera. Yeah, that's right. Homegirl is out. She with the green party now. She got money. This democracy. Woo woo. We in these streets. All streets. Who streets? All streets. <laughs> that was extra. <laughs> Who 
house. This is like, whoa, Kylie, stop. (laughs) (laughs) But hilarious. So Amira and Alex, they have their fallout. And as she's leaving, Amira tells Alex, Alex, um, well, first of all, there's this little part where Alix is like, you heard I'm working with the Clinton campaign. And so you go work for the Green Party. And Amira's like, I've been working for them longer than I've been working for you. <laughs> and it's just nope. another, it's another, it's more evidence that Alix don't even know Amira. <laughs> they don't know each other. And she got Stop. so many opinions. Yes, yeah, she has formed in her mind this girl, her background, her future, and she doesn't know her. Um, on her way out, though, Amira tells her, pay attention to Bri. Pay attention to her. She's young now, but soon she'll know. Ugh. Love that girl. Like, I love her. So, okay. Now we're at the finale. <laughs> Flashback senior year. Um, Alix, Alex at the time, was one of the two senior class representatives at her school. She spent the final days of her senior year cleaning lockers as part of her duty as class representative. She opened Kelly's locker, her ex, and it was clean like he had moved out after a divorce, taking with him all evidence of the dead relationship. She was taken aback. Yeah. Um, But as she dropped to clean the locker under it, several letters in her own handwriting fall out. Under Kelly's locker was Robbie's. And between the two lockers, she finds five of her own letters unopened. Clearly, some of her letters found their way directly to Robbie. So Kelly said he never gave Robbie the letter, you know, with the code to her gate and confessing her, you know, love and all that. And he was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. However, Alix pockets these letters. There's no one around. And she decides to continue with the narrative that suits her best. Right. She decides that, no, <laughs> Kelly did lie to me. And I am the victim. And this last year in high school is his fault is all his fault. Soon she stops pretending and the lie becomes her truth. It's what she tells people and it's what she's decided to believe in her heart. Fast forward. Amira worked for the Green Party for five weeks. She saw a boy putting goldfish on like a flimsy plate and helped him put it in a cup instead. The boy belonged to a regional director of the U.S. Census Bureau, Paula. Paula hires Amira as her assistant. Two years into that job, Paula's like, why are you still the Andy to my Miranda? Go get a real job. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way you should be so content working as my assistant. And Amira's like, oh, okay, well, I'll look for a real job. (laughs) But in reality, she remains Paula's assistant until Paula retires. A few days after the television fiasco, Kelly texts Amira. He says, I saw your clip. I'm so proud of you. I always knew you could do it. She had been waiting for his text. She still wants to be with him. She realizes she was wrong and she wants him to like open the door for them to reconnect. But after this text, she realizes if if they get back together, he'll think he's right about everything and he'll take like power in the relationship. That was interesting to me. So we'll we'll never be together again. We are never, ever getting back together. As Beyonce once said, when she was 28, she saw Kelly Copeland. He didn't see her. Kelly Copeland was with another black girl. <laughs> also, while shopping for bridesmaids dresses for Shawnee's first wedding, <laughs> Amira sees Briar and now two-year-old Catherine and Alix, 
with two black nannies pushing two more babies. Just as he was right about Alix, Alix was right about Kelly. <clears throat> A decade later, Amir thinks of Briar. If Briar ever struggled to find herself, she'd probably just hire someone to do it for her. And that's the book. Let's take a break. And we are back. Alex, Alexis, what did you think? <laughs> what did you think of Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed? And would you recommend this book? Okay, so... I, when I initially got it, I was hoping to get a book from the library. I couldn't. There were like 400 holes on it. And that's And you're not exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating at all. That's awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's pretty popular right Right. now. So I ended up getting a Kindle version and, you know, I like a physical book. So that was hard. Yeah. I think I just don't like being on my phone all the time, Mm -hmm. especially reading. Yeah. It's bad for my ass. But anyway. So there's a dark mode, you know, in Kindle where you can make the sheet black and the words white oh okay i'll think about oh yes i think i did that when i was starting hamilton oh okay okay anyway so um i got that book and i started reading it and it you know i read a few pages but i wasn't initially drawn in sure and then i put it down and i picked it up again i read a few more pages and Still, you waited wasn't. two days before we recorded <laughs> it was like oh i gotta read this yeah and so what yeah. i ended up doing is getting the audiobook version okay. so I listened and read at the same time yeah you could match that up and so that allowed me to get a little further in the book and and I I did get to a point where I didn't want to put it down and I wanted to hear you did. So, how far were you before you started really caring about these characters oof, I was well into the book maybe the middle yes okay I gotta say yes to that um so I ended up enjoying it yeah I did end up enjoying the book. Sometimes I liked her voice, her audio reading. reading yeah. of it. And then other Who's times. Who's the reader? Nicole Lewis. Okay. So I did enjoy some of her, her readings. Mm-hmm. Um, some parts I was like, oh, that's a little extra. And then there was a part in there and I, I wanted to pick it out, but I can't remember which part it was where I felt like it was a, a, a white woman reading for a black person. So I have to tell you that on Goodreads, some of the criticism was that this book felt like a white woman writing for black characters. Oh, writing for black characters. Yeah. And so yeah. you um, echo that sentiment? Yeah. That's what it seemed what like. What about it made you feel that way? I, I just think it was one of the interactions. I felt like the. I'm like, what a black woman really say that? Like, who's what? really. That's what I mean. I I need to identify those sections and okay. I didn't mark those off truly. It's just sometimes it struck you funny. Yeah, just mm-hmm. some yes, exactly. Sometimes it struck me funny. So it was interesting. I I did enjoy the book and I would recommend it to I would recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um but I, I would say that there is some um strong language. Mm-hmm. Definitely strong language in the mm-hmm. book. So how about you? Would you recommend the book? I will say that I bought this book maybe a month ago because I saw myself running out of time. I also bought the audible version to listen to at work and I was in 
from the first word. I laughed out loud. And we've been reading a lot of heavy books. Yes. So we needed a lighter book. Some nonfiction that has, you know, that haunts my dreams. (laughs) (laughs) And so to fill a book and it, it made me think of like my young 20s when I was like going out with my friends and You know, it's hard. I understand that I'm picking up a lot of tangents, but I understand the sentiment that this these black girls don't sound like my black. But I mean, that's a difficult conversation to have because every culture has its nuances. And then there are subcultures. She wasn't performing black to me in the book, but I I do get it. I do get the feeling that I want to see myself in this character and this mirror ain't quite clean. (laughs) I get that. Okay. Mm -hmm. But overall, I felt it was relatable. I was really taken in by the story right away. Um, The the account of Amira at the grocery store happens in the first few pages of the book. Yeah. And it sets the scene for the rest of the book. And this is huge. This is kind of where you, in one moment, see what everyone is made of and you can either ignore it or recognize it. The fact that she didn't want to be recorded and Penn State continued to record her, which was Kelly. And even the fact that Elise, okay, this is what it boils down to, which I felt like the book really bit into is that proximity to blackness does not cure racism. You can have black Tamara as a friend can that doesn't make that, you please, not a racist. For the people in the back. And then at the same time, Amira's got to deal with playing this part that everyone seems to have cast her in. And everyone has an idea of who she should be. Exactly. And not just Kelly and Alix, but even her friends, even Amira is like, why am I not this person that I should be? That's something that everyone maybe has to go her through. Her family. Her family, right? But thought that also but at the same time she has to deal with her role in society as a black girl so I felt like without being too preachy and without making these characters world center around their race that also irritates me I don't need to I don't need you to perform blackness for me I am black and I don't need the characters to always tell me how black they are whether um, implying it or explicitly saying it. I'm, I am over that for a little bit. I want you to live because we all have different experiences. And I believe your a, a lot of things about you, whether it be your race, your family or your class is going to inform who you are. So I want to see who you are. You know what I mean? And I can deduce from that whatever I choose to, which is great because that tells me more about myself than it does about the character. What am I deciding about these people before they tell me who they are? And you had an opportunity to do that. You did. You did. Which I think I couldn't um, I couldn't figure out how I felt about that. But then by the end, I was like, yeah, I I think that was okay that she didn't say right away that Tamara was a black woman. Mm -hmm. And then she mentioned her. Oh, right. Because, yeah, because I was thinking, how come I didn't know Tamara was black? Because she never told you. Yeah. I didn't know right away that um, Kelly was white, Mm -hmm. was a white male. I didn't realize even that Joseph was Hispanic. Hispanic, Yeah. So there were a lot of those situations and I did appreciate that Mm -hmm. because you did get to know their characters. But also not shying away from their race or anything else about them. Right. It just came up when it came up. Yeah. So and and I did. I'm sorry, you finished your verdict. Oh, 
I did have laugh out loud moments. Yeah. I did have those experiences where I, I was like, I remember something like that. <laughs> you know, I yeah. did have those moments um, as I was reading this. Yeah, story. the good and the bad. And the having the second guess. And the bad. White people that are kind to you, which I didn't feel like Mira did. She could have actually done more of that. But, but she did not. But she didn't ever do that. Um, so there is a generation that feels like we got it. And we are open minded and we see people for who they are. These yeah. people like to say crazy stuff like, I don't see color. Yes. You know? Just work with someone like that. <laughs> because and maybe it comes from a good place. Maybe you sure. don't want to be a racist. Right. <laughs> That's great. Keep not wanting to be a racist. But then also look inside, and I'm talking to myself also, and just make sure your private thoughts are in line with that, that you are not looking at people as your property that you are treating them with respect, respect people's agency. You do not own anyone. You can't even care for your kids, Aleeks. <laughs> Stay out of everybody else's business. Stay worry worry about yourself. That's worry about yourself. Saying. No, Where thank you. That? What does that look like? I love that. I love the nuances. However, I will say uh, the language was a little strong. <laughs> it was a little strong. And I just felt like I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. Right. But overall, I really enjoyed this book. Out of five stars, four. Because I'm giving Sula five. So, you know, this is your first novel. But that second, that third, <laughs> you know, she's got some phrases in here. She writes with a relatability that I envy as a writer. Mm. I love the way she can um, put in pop culture in a way that I don't feel will be dated in 10 years. She brought up a lot of pop culture references in a way that I felt were just, it, it was kind of cool to hear, to listen to and feel like you're in the moment with them. So that's my final verdict. I'd recommend it to some and four out of five for such a fun age. Loved it, loved it, loved it. And I would read it again. We give us Actually, and stuff. Oh, I didn't finish this thought. I bought the book a month ago. Okay. Bought the Audible version and was so captivated by the reader that when it came time to read the book, I said, no, I want to hear my girl read it. And I closed the book, put it down and straightened my hair while listening to, ooh, that's symbolic. (laughs) Straightened my hair (laughs) while listening to such a fun age on Audible. So I have to say this was the best Audible book I've heard in a while. Wow. So to tell the truth, I was laughing. I felt like this is a great time. What are we going to read next week, Kari? The great um, neoclassic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is a book that college courses are based on. Is it really? <laughs> Probably not. Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. Enter applause here. <laughs> and why are we reading this? Alex, Alex, Alexis, because I'm tired of reading all your long books. you're tired of reading books. Uh Uh-oh, that doesn't bode well for this podcast. I'm tired of reading your long books. girl, we need a break. We need a break, but we didn't want to give you guys like a week without a show. And so we're going to read Charlotte's Web. Also, I remember this being read to me in second grade. My teacher started crying and we all laughed at her and pointed. So I don't remember the book. Oh, that's good. But maybe I'll cry and there'll be some like redemption here. I never read the book before. (laughs) Look at us. We're shame. We've never read Charlotte's Web. So we skipped past the YA aisle and went right to the baby books. (laughs) 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 This is a glorified picture book and we're reading it. 
And you know what? If you don't usually find the time to read, please read this one with us. Yes, It'll be yes, fun. Yes. I don't know how many pages it is, but I was hoping it was under 200. Well, it's 170, but it's like the font nope. is 36. Oh. <laughs> that can't be. I got this other children's One word section. per page. <laughs> don't do me like that. Okay. All right. All right. All right, readers. Thank you for listening to Lit Society. Lit Society is brought to you by Alexis Honoria and Kari Herrera. That's me. Support the cause by leaving a five-star review for our show on Apple Podcasts, along with a comment about why you absolutely love us, because we love you. Say it again for the win. Hey, you guys, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, okay, please, along with a comment about why you love us, because we love you, too. Thanks. <laughs> please leave that review. Thanks. <laughs> if you enjoyed what you heard today, tell a friend about Lit Society. There's this new thing out there that the kids are doing. It's called Goodreads. <laughs> us about that Kari yeah so you can follow me on Goodreads my username is K-A-R-I-H-E-R-R-E-R-A and for the readers out there that's Kari Herrera one day I'm gonna All join together. that too. I mean I am joined I just but gotta you don't have the things. username I mean I'll get there so just follow me for now that's for the kids out there I'm the fun one I'm not a regular Goodreads <laughs> member I'm a cool member yeah, I'm a regular. <laughs> Visit LitSocietyPod.com for show notes this month's book list and to sign up for our amazing email newsletter. And until next time, readers, read something. Read something.